Let's uh, begin with the word of prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for being our way maker, God. Just worshiping you is so sweet tonight, Lord, and just feeling your spirit and just wanting to surrender to you, God. And Lord, just trust in your will and who you are. And as we come here tonight, God, we trust in you, that you have brought us here together, God, whether you're here in person or connected online. God, you brought us here, God, because you want to speak to us. You want to give us a word, Lord. You want us to study your word, and you want your spirit, God, to move upon our hearts and transform us. So I pray you continue to do that, Lord, even as we get into this word, Lord, and that you would bless the study tonight, anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about 10 men and one woman. They were hanging off a rope under this rescue helicopter. Since the rope wasn't strong enough to carry all of them, they decided that someone had to let go. But they weren't able to decide who should go. While with great emotion, the woman, the sole woman said that she would make the choice to let go of the rope and to save all the other men. And she explained, see, she always had given up everything, like for her husband, for her sons that she had. She was the only woman in the family. And so sacrificing for men had been, really been her way of life. Well, the men were so moved when she finished her speech that as soon as she was done, they all started clapping. You get it? They let go of the rope to clap. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Tonight, as we return to our Bible study here, Luke the writer actually applauds some women. And he really honors some women to show it wasn't only men who followed Jesus, but some women who followed Jesus also. And that's the title of our message tonight. Some women who follow Jesus. Some women who follow Jesus. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 8. We're finally getting into chapter 8 here. And we're just going to take the first three verses, this little section here. Uh, some women, we're going to focus in and honor them and how Luke honored them. Some women who follow Jesus. And we're going to see three things. We're going to see one, the uncommon sight. The uncommon deliverance. And number three, the uncommon support. So let's begin number one here, the uncommon sight. The uncommon sight. Take a look at verse 1 and part of verse 2 now. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also, and look, some women. And we'll stop right there. So we're going to take this thought right now, this much of verse 1 and 2. So we begin here, soon afterwards. The writer says here, now after what? Well, remember last time we saw Jesus was invited to dinner at the Pharisee Simon's house, right? And there's a woman there who came in. She was forgiven much. That was the title of our message. And she dried her tears off of Jesus' feet and broke open her alabaster flask. And remember all that that happened. And it's kind of interesting to me because on the heels of focusing on this uh, sinner, this woman, uh, the, the known sinner in the town, come in and was forgiven. Now I have faith in Jesus. He, Luke goes on to really focus in on women here. So it kind of flows right into this. So after all that, Jesus continued on in his ministry. He went, went out throughout the cities and villages, 
villages. That's what he did, right? He went from town to town, city to city, village to village, ministering, preaching the word of God, proclaiming, bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And with him that traveled were the 12 who were with him. And we know what that's referring to, right? The 12 disciples. Uh, they were helping out in this ministry there. They were, they were like students of Jesus, those disciples learning from Jesus too. But as Jesus did ministry, they were there helping him out. We know these 12 disciples. We know them back then. They're mentioned in Luke chapter 6. We studied each of these disciples, their life, uh, back in Luke chapter 6, 14 through 16. And we know, right? Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the Less, Simon the Zealot. Uh, Thaddeus and Judas Iscariot. So those 12, they were the main guys that were with Jesus, helping them out with all the ministry that was going on. Then Luke adds, and also some women. Now, I wanted to really zero in on this because... It, we see that it wasn't just the 12 disciples. And a lot of times that was, that's what we picture in our minds. That's what we see maybe more in the movies and things like that or, or paintings and all. But in reality, there was this group of women who also were followers of Jesus. They traveled with Jesus along with the disciples. And, and you have to understand that in bringing this up and putting this picture in our minds, I mean, today we would think, oh yeah, you know, there's some men and women like here in church and people connected online. But back then, this would be completely uncharacteristic for this to be happening. This was an uncommon sight. And that's what I want to zero in on. You see, back then, rabbis, they refused to teach women. All their students were men. And so here's Jesus, this supposedly great rabbi. Well, he actually had some women following him, sitting under his teaching also. And you have to understand, too, that in that time, that culture, women were very low on the social ladder. Basically, they were like nothing in that society back then. Even in the Jewish culture, it was that way with the women. They had a low status there amongst their culture, even in the Jewish way. But Jesus did things differently. Jesus did not draw the same social lines. And I, I like that because really throughout the Bible, we see that that's really not the way that God would have us treat women. I think of like Proverbs eleven sixteen. The first part says, a gracious woman gets honor. We give honor to the women. Or we think about, right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And we understand that, right? We're all created equal under God. And so we see here Jesus even elevating women here. We see Jesus changing some things around to what I see as God presenting, well, this is the way things should be, really. The culture, the society at that time had really lowered the status of women, had really put them down in that sense. But that's not how God really sees things. There's been great women honored in the Bible, right? In the Old Testament, let's say, like Ruth, yeah, the story of Ruth, or Naomi, or Queen Esther, or Deborah, right, uh, one of the judges in that book. Well, 
Listen to this. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke mentions women more than any other gospel. And so some call it the gospel of women, actually, the book of Luke here. And we've already seen that. We've already seen like the widow uh, of, of Nain, right? Her son was uh, uh, risen, you know, from the dead. And this last story, this uh, uh, prostitute, I believe, you know, came into the house. And Jesus, you know, really... Uh, was receiving her and also we we see a lot of that so out of all the gospels luke highlights the role of women uh, what they had in jesus's ministry and how jesus reached out to them and how jesus never did belittle women at all so here's the first thing i want you to see is luke writes how by seeing the women here along with the disciples jesus was showing that all people are equal under God. By seeing the women here along with the disciples, Jesus was showing that all people are equal under God. Really, that, that, that's what's being laid out here. I mean, women were very, very low. Uh, in Jewish circles, women were down there like right above, right around where Gentiles were. And Gentiles were like, hey, they were like fuel for the fires of hell. So here's Jesus, wow, allowing these women to follow him also and be part of the group that was doing ministry or helping Jesus along the way as he did ministry. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about how throughout the centuries, have you ever thought about how Jesus has been portrayed in like drawings and paintings as different races? right different races I'm, I'm sure you've seen you know like the black jesus or or the indian jesus even i was looking at pictures today of an asian jesus you know e even that you know a jesus with long hair and, and and really asian kind of eyes and features on his face but did you know it was in the middle ages jesus was drawn with light skin uh, light brown long hair a beard this is you could say the european jesus that we see commonly in pictures today and as i mentioned on sunday no one no one really knows exactly you know what he looks like but we know this Jesus did not really speak with an English accent, right? A lot of the, I mean, I, I like it. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting it down, and I, I enjoy all the Jesus movies. But in reality, Jesus didn't speak with some English accident, you know, accent in, in that way. But Jesus spoke Aramaic, the common language of the day. He also spoke Hebrew, and he also spoke Greek, which was the, the, the language, in, the Roman language in that day too. So uh, uh, all over the world, they spoke in Greek. And if you really think about it, Jesus was born to, to Mary, right? And, and Joseph, the stepfather, but he was born a Hebrew. He was a Hebrew guy, mostly uh, most likely dark hair, dark olive skin. He was a Middle Eastern Jewish man. And that's Jesus there. But I say this because I think every culture wants to make Jesus special to their own race. You know, they, they like God, Jesus, coming, loving, having compassion in their own race. Because they want to know that Jesus or, or, or their own race is special to God. And so a lot of times, uh, the different races, we tend to do that. But the reality is every race, every social class, every person, every gender is equal under God. God doesn't draw a line here. 
you know. It, any race, any social class, whether you're up here or down here, or whatever society says, or gender, male or female, that's not a dividing line to God. That's not at all. So just by seeing these women there along with the disciples, Jesus was showing that all people are equal under God. And that's what I, 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 I really want you guys to see here. It's because I, I think this is important that we see God approaching gender different, right? God looking at things different. We need to look at things different. As God looks at races you know, different. Classes of people different. We need to have the same eyes. Because I think many times we draw those dividing lines, right? We make it that. We make those prejudices and, and, and we act opposite of God's heart like that society and culture was back there. Jesus Christ, He came to unite people in faith and love and, and God wants us to accept one another. God wants us to, to look at each other, believers in the Lord, as one. You know, no matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter what social class, there should not be that dividing line. And when Jesus comes into the picture, it should disappear. Paul said in Galatians 3:28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free. So there's Jew and, and Gentiles basically. There's neither slave nor free, like the different social classes. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about so many times when it comes to like, like um, maybe say race. Let's talk about race. You know, so many times we we I think. Maybe when we get hurt, we kind of play that race card, you know. Oh, yeah, that's because they're like that, you know. Or, or think about maybe here. Oh, yeah, that, that's because they're not from here, you know, kind of thing. And you, you play that local card. Or sometimes we get hurt and we say, oh, you know, some, some wives say, oh, you know, men, they're like that. Oh, men, you know, kind of thing. And some husbands say, oh, yeah, women, whoo, you can't understand them, you know, kind of things like that. But, you know, sometimes we get hurt or there are situations that happen. And right away, we're drawing those lines. And we can't do that, you guys. God looks at everyone the same. God looks at men and women the same. God doesn't look at one as inferior or the other is superior you know one is better or not that's not the way God sees things and just to see these women with Jesus along with the disciples that's huge here imagine in this culture in society it's easy to to use that race or social class or 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 gender you know, kind of card, play that card because you're hurt, because you don't like what they're doing, or, or, or you're, you're critical about them. So, yeah, that's them. Yeah, yeah, look at them. Hoots. You know, all you're doing is you're, you're making that line, yeah? And you're taking that pencil, you're just making it more black and thicker and darker. So resist that. Resist that thought. Resist those feelings, you know, resist that. We, God loves us all the same. So we should love each other all the same. We, we, we should be, be merciful and forgiving 
all the same. Not just, oh, not just the guys, you know. Not just the women. Ah, are you going to be a little more patient, a little more merciful? Or, or your race. Oh, yeah, you know. Oh, the Japanese, you know. Oh, yeah, you know. You're, you're more forgiving, but oh, the holy guys, oh, forget them, you know. No. God loves everyone all the same. So understand what's going on. What, what, what Luke is bringing out here is the uncommon sight. You don't see this in that culture, these women who follow Jesus. All right, let's go on to number two, the uncommon deliverance, the uncommon deliverance. So verse two, we pick it up, talking about some of these women. Uh, Luke writes, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Verse 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others. And we'll stop right there. Now, these women who have followed Jesus were healed, basically, of, of, of evil spirits. Demons were cast out of them. So, and also with these women, they were healed of their infirmities. Sickness was healed. Jesus touched and Jesus moved in their life. Jesus reached out to them and, and, and helped them. That, that's really the thought here. And, and that's another amazing thing that Jesus would really look upon these women in compassion in the state they are and, and do something about that. Many times women, they're, well, they're low on the ladder, right? And ah, whatever, you know, kind of thing. And maybe men will walk by some of these people. Like, for example, Luke brings out Mary called Magdalene. Uh, we call her Mary, Mary Magdalene. And Magdalene is not her last name. It really talks about where she is from. I was thinking about that like um, I asked my... Um, uh, mom and she asked my, my father about this I said where, where does my last name come from Nagura right and, and uh, my dad came back was telling my mom that, uh, that way back when you know during the Samurai days and everything there was a, 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 a town or a, a village called Nagura that was the village and it means warehouse actually my last name means warehouse but it must have been that's where they stored maybe a lot of the the grain or the rice or you know crops and things like that so so i i guess you know when people started figuring out you gotta where are you from oh rick from nagura you know it ended up being your last name but that's how we use it today but actually mary um, is is from Magdala, called Magdalene, um, because she's from there. She's from the from the town of Magdala, which is near Tiberias uh, in the northern part of Israel. Now, there's a comment here from Luke, from whom tells us seven demons had gone out. So she was the one of the ones that she would heal of evil spirits. So can you imagine seven demons? Yeah, were inside of her. Seven demons. I mean, not one, but seven different ones. So talk about probably she was pretty crazy. Talk about she was probably pretty scary. Talk about she's probably not, you know, living with her family and all of that. No, I'm, I was picturing her on the street. I was picturing her just crazy somewhere on the, on the side, side of the alleys back there, right? So, and you wouldn't go down there because you know this Mary Magdalene, well, she was in there. I'm not going down there. She's, she's nuts there. Well, she's, well, you know, I get chicken skin going there because there's something evil in her. People would have left her alone. 
But we see here, Jesus came and delivered her. Some even say that she, she was a prostitute, but the Bible doesn't even say that. Some people say that, oh, that was Mary in the last chapter we saw. But the, I, was, I, I was thinking, well, if it was Mary, Luke would have mentioned her name, you know, in that. Because it's right after here that he mentions her name here. So no one had any compassion on her. She was just this lowly woman, demon-possessed I mean, low on the social ladder, so they, oh, just, they just walk by her, you know, and stay away from her. But not Jesus. Jesus had compassion on her. Then secondly, for example, secondly, Luke now mentions in verse 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. Now, Joanna, uh, she was married to this Chusa, and the only thing we know that he worked as the, basically Herod's estate manager. Some believe that maybe he took care of his properties, he, and he was, he was like an official of Herod. So most likely Chusa was pretty well off, and so the wife, Joanna, was pretty well off too, and they held some high positions. Some say that even um, Chusa was the official whose son was healed in John chapter 4. Some speculate on that. We don't know for sure. But either way, here's Joanna. Here's someone, a woman Jesus reached out to, who, who, who reached out, spoke to her. Maybe she was wealthy. I don't know. We, we don't know what was going on with her. Or maybe she got sick. We don't know. But either way, Jesus reached out to her, even though she was official's wife, even though she was probably higher in class in society. And again, we see Jesus even reaching out to her here. And she ended up being part of this group and following Jesus around. And then mentioned here is Susanna. Susanna. Well, nothing is really known of her but here. She's just one of the women. Her name was Susanna. Um, but uh, man, some of the commentators say, well, the readers of Luke probably knew who she was or even knew who Joanna was, Susanna, in, in some way. But either way, I thought, no one knows who she is. But Jesus still reached out and had compassion on this nobody. Was demons cast out of her? Maybe. Was she healed of sicknesses? I don't know. Maybe one or, uh, one or both of those things. But either way, here she is, part of the group supporting and helping Jesus. And then notice one other thing. It says, and many others. And I take it there was many others, many other women too. So we see Jesus reached out to help these women that the Jewish culture basically had already rejected. So this was the uncommon deliverance. This is what Jesus did in compassion and in reaching out. This is what he did. And we know that. I mean, remember how in John chapter 4, Jesus reached out to that Samaritan woman? And she was even living with a guy? I mean, a real rabbi was like, first of all, I'm not going to Samaria. I'm not. They hated the Samaritans. Yeah, There's a big divide, right? The Samaritans were, were hapa Gentiles, basically, yeah? And they weren't pure Jewish, so the real Jewish guy's like, oh, forget them. They drew that dividing line because of their race, basically. And I said, no, they wouldn't go. So here's Jesus in Samaria talking to a Samaritan, and let alone now a woman. 
Because it would have been a double blow for a, a regular Jewish man or a rabbi to what speak to no way a Samaritan, let alone a woman, right? Both low on their in their eyes. But here's Jesus reaching out to the Samaritan woman. And one more thing, knowing she's living with a guy and in sin. So all these things, but Jesus did not draw that line and he still reached out to these women. Remember how in John 8, Jesus even rescued and delivered and forgave that adulterous woman that was about to get stoned? Yeah. Where the Jewish guys and they are coming, yeah, see, she's a sinner, prostitute, we're gonna, she was with a guy, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna kill her. You know, we're gonna stone her to death. The law says so. We, we always say, well, how about the guy? You know, where's, where's the guy in all of this? We're gonna see later how in this chapter, how Jesus heals a woman considered unclean for 12 years because of her bleeding condition, her flow of blood. Jesus is amazing here. Think of how Jesus even heals the daughter of a Gentile woman. And we know that story, right? I mean, that's unheard of for, hey, a Jewish rabbi or, or a religious leader to do. Remember, Luke is primarily writing to the Gentiles. So think about it this way. Yeah? His, his effort is to show Jesus to the Gentiles. And in that, he's showing how Jesus has great love, great compassion that God has for the outcasts of society. So the women, even Gentiles, this is Jesus. There's no dividing line there. And he's trying to reach these Gentile readers here. And he proves it by showing how these women have been delivered by Jesus, this uncommon deliverance. So Luke points out, Jesus showed respect and compassion to women as with every person who was outcast and depreciated. Yeah. That's what Jesus did. He showed respect and compassion to women as with every person who is outcast and depreciated. I don't know, I was thinking about you know, when I was growing up, I didn't feel like I was like the smartest, you know. <laughs> I felt like the opposite. My sister was in the advanced class, you know, kind of thing. I didn't feel like I was even physically the strongest, probably the opposite. I always felt like, oh, the last person would be picked on the team, you know. Back then, remember, <laughs> they would pick teams, you team captains, and then you pick teams. Or, nor, you know, nor did I feel like, oh, I, I had the most talent or anything like that. You know, I, I remember thinking at graduation, you know, there's always that, that one person or that guy and girl are most likely to succeed kind of thing. I, I thought to myself, oh, I'm the one who most likely, you know, not to succeed, you know. And this was before I graduated, but I was thinking about when, you know, when you see those things in the yearbook. But I'll tell you, when Jesus came into my life, those, those, those hurt you know that those hurtful thoughts and and insecurities began to like like fade away i i saw that jesus loved me just just the way i am and 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 it wasn't so much of me my performance or or who who i am kind of like that jesus would change me he'd love me just the way i am accept me the way i am and he's going to change my life Listen, think about how the Pharisees at that time made people feel inferior, yeah? They, they looked down on them. They, they, they'd actually say, oh, you're unloved by God. They'll say, you don't have favor on God. That's why you're in the state you are, and that's why 
we're holy and that's why we have the money. We have the power. But you poor people, see, it's because you're unfavored of God. And so these religious leaders would press the point in that way. And, and especially with the Gentiles, with the women, that they were the cast off ones. But the reality is that was so far from the truth. And Jesus is showing here, right here. No. Jesus loves women. Jesus loves the cast-off ones, the Gentiles. Jesus loves every person. And so to see the women here with Jesus, part of the crew, right? It shows that. Maybe you've been feeling that. Oh, I'm not part of the gang, quote-unquote, yeah? I feel like such an outsider, you know? And some people can may really make you feel that, you know? But know this. Know this. God doesn't see you that way. Yeah. It, it, we shouldn't be doing that as we learned earlier, right? But we, sometimes we feel that way. That hurt and that abandonment, you know, it, it, it eats us. Eats, eats at us. And, and, and sometimes we'll even do some sinful things just to win a place to stay in a group. Yeah. Sometimes we go against our conscience or what we know is right, just so, just so we could belong to some group yeah. and, and feel that accepted because it hurts. But know this, you don't have to do that. Don't go that far. Just go to God because Jesus accepts you just as you are. And I believe if you're feeling that tonight, Maybe you're connected online you, and you felt this. Maybe, maybe you feel so alone right now. Maybe you've always felt so insecure and it's so hurtful to yourself and, and it's so hard and then you do crazy things just to try and belong. And it just makes it worse. Well, know this. Jesus is reaching out to you right now and saying, No, I love you the way you are. No matter what you think, no matter what social class you feel like you are, no matter if you feel like you're the outcast of society, no matter what gender, what, what race, know what we see here showing how much Jesus loves us all outcast people. I think we, we can say we all felt that, yeah? Fighting to try and belong, you know? And, 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 and just because of our insecurities or, or yearning for acceptance and, and doing things that we shouldn't be doing. But you know what? We gotta stop that. We gotta stop striving. We need to just go to God and find that fulfillment and love and acceptance right there with Jesus. Because He loves you. Just the way you are. He accepts you. He forgives you. His mercy and grace is so big that it's okay. Come. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to forgive you. I'll clean you up. I'll change you. You're accepted with me and in my family. And so if you haven't received Christ, do it tonight. Ask Jesus into your heart. Believe that Jesus is Lord and He died on a cross and you rose again from the dead, that He's the one who died for you and atoned for your sins. Believe in what He did and know that you can come to the cross and be forgiven and give Him your life. Acknowledge those things. Turn from your sin. Repent and believe in Him. And you know what the Bible says, that you will be saved. He's, he's here like with His arms open saying, Come, 
come to me right now. I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to help you. Just come to me. So come to him tonight. If you've been struggling with that, maybe you've been struggling with that like all your life since you were small. You're adult now. Still, you get these feelings of, oh, will they accept me? Or, 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 what? Can I belong here? Or I don't belong. And you're just hurting over this whole thing. Jesus wants to heal you like he did these women. He wants to help you. He wants to receive you into his family where you will and you certainly belong. So may your eyes be open to God's love for you as you see the women who follow Jesus. All right, let's go on to number three, the uncommon support. The uncommon support. And now we come to our last part tonight, and this is just this last uh, part of verse three, and it says here, who provided for them out of their means. So lastly, we see this support. These women came along and along with others, of course, but these women, especially focusing on them, they gave out of their own means. And others, they gave out of their own pocket to support the ministry. They provided there. They helped out there. They served there. And, and of course, right, we see as, as a normal response to what Jesus did, not only did they follow Jesus, not only were they there helping out serving Jesus, but they gave their own money. And I think about... Uh, uh, Joanna, right, who, who was probably a wealthy woman, she, she probably gave much to support Jesus as they went from village to village and cities to cities and towns doing ministry. I mean, they needed food, right? They needed places to stay. They needed money to help other people in need too. And where did that all come from? Well, people gave, and some of the people gave were these women. And we know uh, from John, you know, um, when uh, the Last Supper, the last night of Jesus' life, and the, he, uh, the disciples thought, um, uh, uh, they, uh, they made a comment about Judas, but they thought they were talking about Judas because he was the treasure. So they pulled all the money in that way, and that's how they funded the ministry. Uh, it all went into like one pot, so to speak. So isn't that awesome that even maybe Joanna giving, but maybe there are those who didn't have much, like Mary Magdalene, she even gave who didn't have much in supporting here. So here was this all crazy thing, this uncommon support of these women. But what I see here is this. These women showed their true faith by giving, giving support in this way to the ministry. And that really showed their faith. They really showed where they were. I say this because I always think about what Martin Luther once said the father of the Reformation, he said, there are three levels of conversions necessary in the Christian life. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse, or the wallet, we could say. <laughs> I mean, when it gets down to, hey, is your faith really feel? You know what? When you start giving money to the, your money to the Lord, well, God's money, but you know what I'm saying, right? Oh, there, that's when it really shows something has changed in you. So, in our last point, really Luke points out the giving of the women showed their undying loyalty to Jesus. That's what it is. This uncommon support. What? These women are giving some people, some of them didn't have nothing and they're following Jesus. They're there. What? 
Well, the giving of the women showed their undying loyalty to Jesus. Their faith in Jesus, and I'm putting that all together, and their undying loyalty to Jesus. Now, if you really think about it, none of the women, women named in the Gospels uh, rejected Christ or became his enemy. It was only the men. I, I was just thinking about that thing. Yeah, no wonder they're mentioned here, you know. No wonder, if you think about how loyal these women were, you don't see that in the Gospels. These women really became examples of what true faith is, to stick to Jesus no matter what happens. Think about, think, think about the, these women now, right? We find them. Like, well, let me say it this way. Who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was hanging there? Out of these guys we're reading here, the disciples and the women. The women were, right? And maybe John. Yeah. But the women were right there. Who was at the tomb, right? When his body, his dead body was being placed, you know, in, in, in the tomb. It was the women were there with the spices. I, I, I think about how these women stuck to Jesus no matter what. Their undying loyalty. Even if they didn't understand what was going on. Even if their heart was broken that this Jesus that they hoped for, this was the Messiah that all in all their thinking was just crushed and thrown away when He died on the cross when it didn't happen like what they liked. They were still there. Even with Jesus on the cross and at the tomb. Who showed up at the tomb three days later and witnessed Jesus' resurrection? The women. The women, you guys, right? In John chapter 20, you know what we find? You know who the first uh, person to see Jesus resurrected? You remember? Mary Magdalene. The one is mentioned right here in verse 2, Mary Magdalene. Why? Because she never stopped being loyal to Jesus. Never. Even in her grief, even in her disappointment, even in her discouragement about Jesus, she still loved Jesus. Where were the men? They're scattered and gone. They're confused. They're like, what is going on? What? I don't get it, right? They ran when he got arrested. Well, you know, John was at the cross, you know, on the first scenes of the cross, and he, he, was, he was there. But where are the other guys, right? Peter denied Jesus, right, the three times. They're all confused in fear of their lives. I mean, they were scared they are going to get arrested too because they, they were known to hang out with Jesus. How about these women? Weren't they afraid? No. Their, their loyalty to Jesus never stopped. Never stopped. So no, no, no wonder. They, they were the first ones to see Jesus. Perhaps someone said, um, God wondered how he can be sure to get the message out that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, he knew the women would be the most faithful and sure. Someone said it this way. See, back then, there was no television, there's no telephone, and not even a telegraph, so the best thing was to tell a woman. <laughs> Where, where's the laugh track? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. 
<laughs> I'll tell you, I'm inspired by these women. Yeah. How is your loyalty to Jesus? How is it shown in your support, your serving Him? But how about when it gets hard? Yeah. How about when we're disappointed? How about when our prayers aren't answered? How about when things don't work out like the way we think it should work out? Are we still loving Jesus or are we mad at Him? Are we still holding on to Him? Even, even if it seems like God isn't there. Or how about this? You guys ever go through those times where you feel like, gosh, I feel so dead, you know? God, I don't feel you. God, I, I, I'm not as excited. Or, or, or God, it's like you're not there. And, you know, it, that, you just feel like you're in a desert spiritually and you don't feel things emotionally. What do we do? Ah, uh, never mind. Yeah. I like these women. Jesus was dead in the tomb. Yet they are still yearning to be with him. These guys really witness to my heart. They're pulling on my heart. It's like, wow, Lord, I want to be like them. I want to have that undying loyalty that they have. They gave their all, right? I mean, I don't know, I don't know what happened with um, Joanna, but, you know, the wife of Chusa. I mean, here's a wife going following Jesus all around. I don't, we don't know. Maybe um, Chusa's like, hey, get out of here. Or, or, yeah, it's okay, but, you know, she, she probably left her position, her life, you know, to go on this road and live nowhere. I mean, she, 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 she gave everything. These women gave everything to Jesus. And I think sometimes we compartmentalize Jesus. You know, we put him in, we, we'll put him in only certain compartments in our life. That's what that means. Yeah. I, I, like only certain areas in our life. Well, Jesus, I give you my life only on Sundays and Wednesday night. Yeah. Something like that. Or, or, or Jesus, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my children to go to Christian school. But not my life. I want, I want my kids to go to Christian school. Oh, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep God in the home. We go to church. But at work, yeah, whatever. We compartmentalize Jesus. So many times. But do we give everything? Yeah. God, I surrender to you, but not my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Do we really do that? I read about a man who was being baptized in Texas, and right before he was going to the water, he ran back to where his things were, you know, his coat and everything, and his keys and everything. And someone said, hey, no worries. You know, it'll be safe over there. He goes, yes, I know, said the man. But I came back to grab my wallet. I want that baptized too. <laughs> Every part of our life needs to be with Jesus and surrender to Him. And I want to point out one more thing as we close. I see that these women in their undying loyalty were consistent. Yeah. They were consistent. They kept it up. The, the disciples in the confusion, they ran away. But, but they were faithful and consistent in their faithfulness and they 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 stuck to Jesus. Puritan William Garnell said, How can there be great faith where there is little faithfulness? It wasn't up and down, but they are consistent throughout this whole time.
God is calling us to that same loyalty and in that loyalty to be consistent in our lives. Let's end with this. I'll turn to John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. We'll close with this. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might be plain that they are not of us. Well, I want to be part of the us that continued on. So look honestly in your heart and how you live, what you do, how consistent you are, and in all your loyalty. And let's follow the example now of these, how some women who follow Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for these women, Lord. And just in these three verses, we see so much, God. Lord, understanding the culture back then, it it even jumps out even more how incredible these women were, how courageous they were to even follow you, Jesus, in, in the sight, Lord, of probably men looking down on them and criticizing them. So how could you do that? You're, you're, what, what are you doing? Yet their love for you and loyalty for you never stopped them to be with you. And God, that is our heart. We want to love you more, God. We, 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 we want to be closer to you. We want to surrender more. We, God, we, we don't want to compartmentalize you in our life, Lord. Only give you the areas where it's convenient. Only give you, God, the, the things that we have problems with, Lord. But we want to give you everything. And that means that even in times of discouragement and disappointment where we may even get disappointment disappointed with you or or maybe even angry God Lord we still want to be loyal to you cling to you God look to you do all we can to trust you even when things don't make sense Lord we want to know you better tonight. God, as we come to lo close, Lord, I pray for everyone here and for those who are listening in, God, that you would heal our hearts, God, of this sickness of sin and self, Lord. God, that you would help us to be like these women who, who understand now who they are in you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to, to rise up, God, out of the past and maybe things that have happened, words that have been said, Lord. Heal us of our hurt, God, of the pain, Lord, that we've been carrying for so many, many years. Or some people, even, even since they're small, Lord. God, you can heal us and wipe away all those tears, Lord. You can forgive us and you can strengthen us. You can bring us up into your arms, Lord, and reassure us that you love us, God. So I pray for anyone who's struggling like this, who feels like an outcast tonight, that you would, Lord, show them by your spirit. You love them. Touch them with your peace, God. 
take away the insecurities, the condemnation, Lord, the pain. The Spirit wants you to confess your sin right now. Trying to do things to please people and be accepted. Compromising your faith or making choices that are sinful or wrong just to belong. Just confess that. Be healed of that urge inside of you to have to do that. You don't have to do that anymore. Go to Jesus. He's calling you, reaching out to you right now. Give him your heart, everything. He wants it right now. When, and when you do that, Lord, I pray when they do that, that you would meet them right where they're at. You would touch them, God. Deliver them and bring them to a place of peace and love in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and we'll worship the Lord.